Good morning. Um, believe it or not, this is the, the first time I've ever preached in tie-dye. Um, but one of the reasons, you know, just that we dress more casually at BC is because we want people to feel like they can come to church no matter how they are. Um, and I think today we have fully proven that once and for all. So I was actually supposed to preach this sermon uh, a few weeks ago, but, but didn't, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But I, I had a kid's sermon kind of planned for that. And so uh, I just, I'm going to give you, give you a little bit of that, even though all the kids are gone. And that's that, uh, what we're talking about today is what it, how we grow as God's children. What, what kind of, kind of thinking about, about sanctification, our growth in Christ through the lens of adoption. How does adoption shape how we grow in Jesus? And kind of the, 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 the one of the main ideas is that we imitate God because we're his children. And so for the kids' sermon, what I was going to say is that I, I think that I have pretty pretty good confidence that most of the kids at BC are going to turn out pretty great. And the reason why I have that confidence is because most of you are pretty great. Um, there's probably going to be some some duds, right? Uh <laughs> There might be a few, a few like rebellions here and there. Like my parents are great, and I was rebellious. Um, but I think that for the most part, like we can have hope and confidence that that our kids are going to turn into great people uh, because of who God has made us and who God is making them. And so, uh, parents, even though your kids aren't here, be be encouraged um, because you're you're following Jesus, and your kids are seeing you follow Jesus. So just just keep it up, you know. Um, so. What I want to do is I want to start by reading a verse from Matthew to you this morning. So it's Matthew 5, 16. I think it's going to show up on the slide behind me. Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So as God's children, we've been talking about being his sons and daughters as we've been going through this series, learning what it means for us to be sons and daughters of God. As his children, we, we represent his family and we're called to make that family look good. We're called to look, we're called to make God look good. So Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount, he's encouraging his disciples, he's encouraging his followers uh, to live in such a way that people look at them and say, God is amazing. God is beautiful. God is glorified. Now, if we're not careful, this, this kind of thought, this kind of command that we're supposed to imitate God, we're supposed to represent him in the world, if we're not careful, this can become a weight that, that crushes us. Right, a, a burden that, that's impossible for us to bear. How, how can we, who are flawed and broken, imitate God? I think we'll, we'll either see it and we'll think, like, it's, it's impossible for us to live like that. It's impossible for me to measure up, so, so why should I even try? Or we'll take the other response and we'll say, like, I'm, I'm just going to work my fingers to the bone. I'm going to try and try and try and try and do whatever I can to get as close as I can. We do that because we misunderstand a very important part of how our salvation works itself out. We do that because often uh, we, we have bad theology. 
Now, I don't mean that we, we have bad theology intellectually, because I think that we, we often think mostly right things, but the way it works itself out, the way it, the way it functions in our life is, is bad. And so to give you a, a tangible example of this, right, uh, a, a few Sundays ago, I was supposed to preach this sermon. I'd already, I'd already written it, uh, but as, as many of you know, instead of being here, I was following an ambulance to St. Louis, where, where Jen and, and Sophie were inside. And I would love to tell you that that whole car ride, I thought the most glorious thoughts of God and was full of trust and hope and faith. But the reality is that I wasn't. I was full of fear and anxiety and worry and doubt. And there's this, there's this one moment much closer to St. Louis than I would like where I, I got to a place where I was like, God, can you, can you even understand what I'm feeling right now? Right? Like, that's, that's my daughter in that ambulance. And then, you know, everything that I've said about adoption over the last several weeks comes flooding back into my brain, and I'm like, oh, yeah, she's your daughter, too. And, and I'm your son. Like, you care about us. And then all the doubt and fear and anxiety went away completely and never came back, right? It didn't, but it did for a while. And then when it came back, it went away faster. Right? We often think the right things and, and believe the right things, but, but when we get into situations that are difficult, when, when circumstances are trying, when, when real life happens, even, even normal days, not extreme days like that, we, we tend to live in a way that shows that we, we maybe don't believe it as much as we thought we did. And so I, I think adoption can help us here as we're talking about sanctification, as we're talking about what it means to grow in Jesus in the same way that it was helpful to me that day on the way to St. Louis. And so this is what I want you to get this morning. Like as, as we walk away from the why today, this is what I hope is in your head and in your heart. In the New Testament, in, in the Bible... Our identity in Jesus goes before our actions. Our, our beliefs flow out into our behavior. The indicatives, to use a technical term, pave the way for the imperative. So what I'm saying is that gospel declarations, the truths of the gospel, they lead to, they come before gospel obligations. So the, the identity in Jesus comes before the commands. And the reason why this matters the reason why we, we need to get this is because if we understand this, then it will completely change the way we look at God's commands to us in Scripture. And I would say it will cause us to look at them in the right way. So let's look at some passages to see what I'm talking about. So the first one, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 17 through 32. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. 
assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through sinful or through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So before we, we dig into this, like I want us to kind of, kind of, kind of zoom out and, and realize that if we were to take a look at the book of Ephesians as a whole, we would see the same thing happening that I'm going to argue happens in this passage. What Paul does frequently in his letters is he spends the beginning of the letter, usually about the first half, reminding people of the truth of the gospel. He tells them about who Jesus is. He tells them about what Jesus has done. He tells them about who they are in light of what Jesus has done. And then in the second half, he goes to giving them commands, telling them what to do. And so in Ephesians, Paul spends one through three doing that. He, he talks about who Jesus is and what he's done. He talks about the truth of the gospel. And then he starts dishing out commands. This is who you should be because of what Christ has done. So in our passage, we see that on, on a smaller scale. So the first thing he did in this passage we read is he told them not to walk as the Gentiles do. And then he, he explains how the Gentiles walk. They walk in the futility of their minds. They're alienated from God. They have hard hearts. They, they, they live sinful lives. Why shouldn't we walk as the Gentiles walk? Well, look at verse 20. He says, that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And then he's going to unpack that idea. Look at verses 22, 23, and 24. He tells them three things. Number one, to put off your old self. It belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt or deceitful desires. Number two, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And number three, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, this is a place where we tend to mix things up. What we want to do is we want to take that list and turn it into a checklist, right? Step one, put off old self. Check that box. Step two, be renewed in the spirit of the mind. Check that box. Step three, put on the new self. Check that box. We're done with the list. But listen, these are not commands. Paul isn't telling us to do these things. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. Go back to verse 20 so we can see this together. He says, that is not the way you learn Jesus. This is what he's, he's telling them. He says, don't live like Gentiles because that's not how you learned Jesus. Then verse 21, it's kind of a, a tangent, a, a side thought. He's saying, assuming that you heard about Jesus, assuming you were taught in him, that's not the way you learn Jesus. And then in verses 22, 23, and 24, Paul is giving us the content, 
the, the material, the, the curriculum, the, the way in which they learned Jesus. So don't walk like the Gentiles because that's not how you learn Christ. And then he says how they learn Christ. They learned to put off the old self. They learned to be renewed. They learned to put on the new self. The point that we need to see is that these are not things we need to do. These are things that have already been done to us. Right? If, if you have trusted in Christ for salvation, then you need to understand that Paul isn't saying, do these things. He's saying, you already learned Christ. These things have been done to you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Right? So if you've trusted in him, your old self is gone. Right? It's been put off. A new self has been put on. You are a new creation. Paul's point to the, Gen- or to the Ephesians and to us is don't live like Gentiles because you're not like Gentiles anymore. You're, you're fundamentally different. Right? Your old self's been put off. A new self has been put on. You've already been renewed in your mind. It's already happened to them. Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, has done this to them, and he's done it to us. So because this change has taken place, they should live differently. And then you get verse 25, and in all those commands that follow, right? Therefore, because this change has taken place, then live differently. New actions flow out of a new identity. Gospel declarations lead to gospel obligations. There's this scene in, uh, in the voyage of the Dawn Treader where, I mean, it's, it's one of the most familiar scenes in the book, but where, where useless, Eustace, I mean, <laughs> wow, Eustace was behaving uh, particularly beastly, right? And he gets so bad that he, he changes into a dragon and then... Spoiler alert. I mean, the book has been out for a while, so if you haven't read it, I'm, I'm sorry. But he, Aslan, comes and he changes him back into a boy. What we're seeing in Ephesians is like if after Aslan does that, he tells Eustace, like, go, act like a boy now. Don't act like a dragon anymore. Be a human being. Right? He, Aslan, has already done the difficult thing. Right? He, he's already done the hard thing. He has transformed him from a dragon back into a human. Now the easy thing is for Eustace just to go out and live who he is now. This is what Paul is telling us, right? Jesus has given us a new identity. He, he's changed us on the inside. And with that come new actions outwardly. We see the same thing in Matthew 5. So I read that verse earlier. Now we're going to read a couple more verses. Right? Jesus says, let your light shine before men so they can see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. If we include the context, it's definitely not burdensome. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Verse 16 would be a whole lot harder without verse 14. Right? We don't, we don't have to make the light. We don't have to 
produce the light. We don't have to become the light. We don't have to transform ourselves into the light. Jesus has already done that for us, right? He's given us that new identity. He said, I'm the light of the world. Now you're the light of the world. So the only thing that we need to do is not put ourselves under a basket, which should be pretty easy for us, right? Just, just put yourself out there. Jesus has already done the hard thing. He's already taken the action. He has changed who we are. Because he's changed who we are, then we need to live in a different way. When we talk about our growth in Christ, our growth in obedience, you often hear the word sanctification used. It's just a, a fancy word to describe the process of Christians becoming more and more like Jesus and less and less like who they were before. And I think there's a verse that, that captures both how sanctification works for us and also how it specifically relates to our adoption. So look at Ephesians 5.1. Right? This, this comes after all those commands Paul gives us at the end of chapter 4, all those commands we read earlier. He says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So Paul says, don't live like the Gentiles. Why shouldn't we live like the Gentiles? Because that's not how we learned Jesus. He tells us what it means that we learned Jesus. We learned to, to put off the old self, to be renewed in our minds, to put on the new self. That's happened to us because those things have happened to us. Then he gives us all those commands. And then at the beginning of chapter 5, he kind of ties all those commands off in a, in a neat little bow that, that sums them all up. He says, therefore, because of what has been done, because of what Christ has done for us, therefore, be imitators of God. Now, if the verse stops here, we're done. Right? If the verse stops here, that, that's bad news. Right? If the standard for me that I must measure up to is, to is to perfectly imitate God, I don't meet that standard. And, and neither do you. Right? But thank God this verse keeps going. Therefore, how, how, how can I imitate God? Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. This, this is the way that he has made for us to be imitators of God. He's given us a new identity. We are his children. And because he's made us his children, we can bear the family likeness. We can represent our father well in the world. We're not going to do it perfectly but we're going to do it better than we would have before because of what he's done in us. He has made us his children. And because we are his children, we are, we are equipped, we are enabled, we are empowered to be his imitators. Right? That's what it means for us to grow in our faith. We imitate God as beloved children. Right? The, the identity change comes, and then because our identity has been changed, because we've, we've been transformed, now we can live differently. What we've seen as we've gone through this series is that God sent Jesus at exactly the right moment, in exactly the right way. He sent him born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, to, to buy us out of our slavery to sin and our slavery to death. And he redeemed us, not just so that we would be free from those things, but so that we would be his sons and daughters. That's what Paul says in Galatians 4. Right? That's already taken place. If you've trusted in Christ, then that has happened for you. 
You're his beloved child. And because that's who you are, live as a member of the family. Imitate him. Represent him well in the world. Our, our growth in Jesus is slow. It's, it's painfully slow. But it's less complicated than we make it out to be. Right? I think, I think we, 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 we often think like, oh, there's just gotta, there's gotta be all these things lined up. And, and if everything just, just works the way that I want it to work, then I'll be able to live like Jesus calls me to live. Right? If, if, if my kids will just act right. If, if nothing breaks around the house, if my, if my boss was more kind, if I had more money in my bank account, if my car didn't have this issue that it has right now, right? If, if just all these things would go right, if the, if the circumstances around me would transform miraculously, then I would imitate God well. I mean, we're never going to know because it's never going to be like that, but, but I'm pretty confident that even if everything was like that, we still wouldn't imitate him as well as we think we would. Sanctification isn't complicated. It's difficult. Because the flesh still clings. Because even though Jesus has freed us from sin, we still pick it back up and put it back on. But the reality is that he has made us his children. And because of that, we can imitate him. And that's who we're called to be. That's how we're called to live. Because of the change that has happened in me, because of the change that has happened in you, we should live differently. That's, that's the end. That's what Christian living is. It's becoming outwardly who we already are inwardly. Right? It's the process of becoming who you already are in Jesus. It's just a place for us as his beloved children to imitate our beloved father. And so right now, for us as a church, like, this is a time, the Lord's Supper is a time where we work this out every single Sunday. What we do is we take a moment to remind ourselves of the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then what do we do? We take action. We, we do something because of what he's done. Here, we, you know, walk to a table and grab a cup and, and eat the cracker and drink the juice. And it, it reminds us that his, his body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us. But the point is that that is what Christian obedience looks like. It looks like us remembering who we are in Jesus and doing something outwardly differently because of what he's done. So it starts for us with the Lord's Supper, but it's going to continue in worship. It's going to continue in how we interact with one another after service. It's going to continue in how you interact with your family on the way home and at home and the things you do this week as you continue to put into practice the reality of what Christ has already done for you. The point of all of this is that we need to understand that all the commands we've been given, all the things that the Bible tells us to do, it's not do all of these things and then God will love us. It's God already loves you. Jesus has already died for you. You're already his beloved children. That, that love doesn't change based on our imitation of him. 
Instead, we have a new identity. Because we have a new identity, we have new actions. That's how our growth works. It's us becoming outwardly who we are inwardly. Let's, let's pray, and then you can take a moment to prepare your heart, and we can celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you sent your son to redeem us from sin and death and Satan, to to, to buy us out of our slavery and and into your family, to, to adopt us as your sons and daughters. We pray that you would send your spirit to, to help us to see and, and believe and embrace the reality of what you've done for us already. And that the good news of the gospel, Jesus, the good news of, of who you are and what you've done for us would, would affect our actions outwardly. That we wouldn't try to, to muster up some behavior to make you love us. But that instead, that we recognize that you've already fundamentally changed who we are. We just need to let it out. We need to be the light of the world because that's you've made us. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf, that your, your body was broken and your blood was shed for us. We pray that the grace and mercy and love that you've shown us would would motivate us to walk in obedience. That as beloved children, we would imitate our Father. And that others would see and give you glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.